Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Um, You know, and, and so to be human is to be in the midst of a conflict, right? In the midst of just this paradoxical world and being suspended between the perfection of heaven and the condition of this world, right? You know, dealing with life in the way that we have to deal with it, with all the heartbreak and the difficulty and all the joy also, knowing that we have this hope to look forward to, perfection, knowing that God showed us who He truly is in Christ in this earth. And when He walked this earth, He showed us God. God is a healer. God is compassionate. God is, is kind. You know, that, that's what Jesus showed us. Jesus reframed everything about God in the context of our Creator loves us. Our Creator desires a relationship with us. And He is trying to lead us and help us along this path of life to experience the blessings that He desires for us to experience. And so, you know, I think a lot of what Christianity unfortunately tries to do is to get you to obey Him so that you'll be blessed. And, and it, it's like that's a very surface-level aspect or, or, or way to look at it. The reality is God is just itching to bless you every moment of every day in every way. He just is. It's His character. It's His nature. But in His wisdom, it's in, it's in the frame of it's received by grace through faith. So in other words, all these things that you're believing to experience because God is so good and wants that stuff for you, and it's not just about stuff, it's really more about a quality of life. You know, when I was younger, uh, people would say, well, what do you want want for the future? And I would say, well, to be happy. And and I'm like, you know, that's not the highest value anymore. The highest value is I want to glorify God. You know, I'm, I, I know how to get a hold of my thoughts and my heart and my emotions to make sure that I'm at peace. The happiness level rises or falls based on circumstances, but the highest value is not. And, and so what we're saying typically when we say, well, I just want to be happy is I don't want any major problems. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about it, right? Yeah. And, and so really now, and maybe it's just a maturity thing, age thing, now it's like I just want. God to be fully reflected through me without limiting what he could do through me, you know? And, and so that, that draws you into living this way that is full of character and integrity and according to his commandments and laws, but not because you're fearful that you're going to be judged and cast away by him, but because living a life uprightly, full of integrity, Applying his wisdom frames, it conditions your mind and your heart to be led by him. God is trying to lead you absolutely all day, every day, in every decision. He's trying to lead you. But when you think 
and feel and believe in contradiction to his wisdom, you're not going to be sensitive to the leading. You know, so the, so the reason to deal with your emotional issues and deal with your sin issues and live a life of integrity and character and tell the truth and just all these things, you know, no shortcuts. It's so that you're unhindered to be led by him, not to be qualified to be led by him, right? It's the responsibility to be that clean vessel so that I'm resonating without any distraction what it is that he's trying to do through me. And, and so, so personally, that's the, that I think, unfortunately, a lot of Christians are just burdened by our personal lives to the degree that the outer world, it's just we have compassion. We have, you know, we desire for people to experience God and know God, but it's, it's, just, it's just difficult because we're under the weight of our own stuff so much, especially when you see the world hurting and broken and you've been through difficulty and trauma and challenges yourself, and you look at it, and you know that it's a spiritual issue. You know that if people could connect to the peace of God, that at least they could have some joy and personal peace for themselves. And that's what you want, right? But, it, but, but, but then life happens. And so, you know, that's where prayer comes in. Ultimately, I want to talk about prayer. Um, and, I, and I know that, you know, Tori was supposed to be up here today, and he unfortunately witnessed something that was just really traumatic, nothing personal to them, nobody that they know is hurt, but getting off work on Friday night, something happened, and, you know, it, he's just really kind of sorting through trying to deal with the weight of that. So y'all pray for Tori and Kate. Kate was off the schedule today, and she stayed home, and they're just as a family drawing close and praying through this, so y'all, y'all pray for Tori. But then also, too, um, the Surface family. You know, Adam and Stacy, Sam and Kina, um, Julie, one of, their, one of Adam's sisters was here a couple weeks ago. Um, Adam has three sisters, and one of the sisters, uh, Christy, her son Jordan, is fighting for his life right now. He's in a coma, and he's, uh, I think, 75% brain uh, damage and other organs, and it just it doesn't look good. And they'll share all the details of what's going on with him. I think he's, is he 22, 23, something like that. So it's just tragic. And, you know, that's, uh, that's one of our family members. He, he didn't come to church here. Most of you probably don't know him. I think I've only met him once or twice, but still. And, and so then that's just, that's just two people that are part of this body. And I'm sure all of you have friends and family members and even yourself right now are going through difficulties and challenges, or you know somebody. Joe also. Yeah, uh, yeah Joe White. Joe, there's a, um, Joe and Melody White are, huh? They're online church mothers. Yeah, they, they, they were part of this church early on. She was very involved and active. And anyway, Melody called. You know, so and, and if, you don't, if you don't know God, specifically if you don't know God through who Christ revealed God to be, you look at the world and you think God's unjust and unfair. But if you understand this liberty aspect, that God has actually set us up as kings on this earth, it's in the condition that it's in because of what we've allowed to happen to it. 
And that's difficult because a lot of people, most Christians have the perspective, the, the general view of God that He's controlling or predetermined or at least is allowing everything to happen that's happening on the planet. Most people think that way. And so then you hear, you know, cliche Christianity, well, God's in control, well, God's got a plan, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways, well, you know, we just don't know His plans and purposes. And it's like, that, that, that is ignorance, unfortunately, because we do know God's will. We do know God's plans because we know Christ, and we know what Christ showed us. And we know what God is trying to do. God is trying to help us experience life as a member of His family. And unfortunately, now in this earth, because mankind has dominion over this planet, this is what our rulership looks like. We're not doing a very good job. And, and, and so, but, but I say that with hope. I say that with the undertone of the of the of the knowledge that we can still make a difference. We can still affect the world. The world is better now that Christianity is in the earth, now that the kingdom of God is in the earth. And I'm not going to go through all the this passages about the kingdom having been planted into the earth, and it's that rock that's taking over. You know, I did a message, I think it's called God's Increasing Kingdom. It's a series on my website if you're interested. If you, if you kind of if you want to reframe things to have a bit, a bit more of a hopeful expectation of the future, and I actually have a passage here that I'm going to read. Um, you know, it, this nation might fall. Tragedy most likely will happen to you or someone you know, and there may be deep emotional hurt involved but it's just a temporary experience in this life for those who have the hope of heaven. And, and, I, and I'm not just trying to preach a, you know, in the sweet by and by and the great yonder beyond, uh, it's going to be better, but it's going to be really bad until we get there. I mean, in the midst, Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So kind of, kind of tailing off of what I was talking about last week, you know, last week I presented this idea of, living in this paradox. On one hand, it's like, just take a deep breath and chill out. In terms of where you are in life right now, what you're dealing with, what people are dealing with, what you feel like God's leading you to do, just, just relax. And relax doesn't mean be inactive. It just means in terms of how you're facing life right now, just, just calm down. <laughs> Say, chill out. But on the other hand, what are you doing sitting around doing nothing? There's a world dying and going to hell out there. You know what I mean? And that's the paradox. It's like, and we feel torn and we judge ourselves in that paradox because none of us are doing enough. And you never will. And so, so how are you going to balance that tension? Sometimes people, what they do is they judge themselves as well. If I, if I am not doing enough and I could never do enough, then why do doctrine? And, and it's a fruit down into this realm of ineffectiveness, which I think the beliefs and doctrines and views of God that keep getting peppered into the church that are incredibly effective at making the church think it's powerless, but we're not. 
We are not. We are the most powerful force the world has ever seen. And we can make a difference. We have power on the inside of us to change the world. Do you believe that? Amen. The kingdom of God is in the earth in you, and it is increasing in spite of what the circumstances of the world is experiencing. You know, this, this, we're in the midst of this idea of the wheat and the tares. When Jesus talked about the future, he talked about the wheat and the tares. They came, his disciples, you know, he told a parable of a man who planted a field, and the workers of the field came and said, well, there's, there's weeds, there's tares out here. What do we do about it? Didn't you plant good seed? Which is kind of like a question of the integrity of the farmer, which is people questioning the integrity of God. Well, if, if you're so good, then why do bad things happen? That's the parable of the wheat and the tares. If God is so good, then why do children have cancer? If God is so good, then why is there, you know, SIDS? Why is there any stuff? If it, didn't you sow good wheat? Aren't you a good God? Don't you say that you want blessing and abundance? And hey, what about this heaven thing, God? Don't you, are you with me? That's the parable of the wheat and the tares. The question of the farmer is, I thought you were good. And, and they said, well, what are we going to do about it? Do we need to go and pull up the weeds, the tares? He says, no, no. This is what you do. You let them both grow up together. You tend to the healthy wheat. You let it become self-evident of what is growing. You nurture the good, and ultimately the wheat wins out. But there are weeds in the process. So don't let the weeds, don't let the challenges, don't let the failures, don't let the tragedies distract you from the fact that the kingdom of God is in the earth increasing and will ultimately prevail. And you can allow the kingdom of God to rule in your mind and in your heart and in your life daily. You, you guys ever see that movie? Um, it, uh, it's the Benicio Del Toro was in a concentration camp, a Beautiful Life, maybe. Did you guys see that movie? Is that the name of it? Yeah. And it's, it's you know, the, I just remember the thing that I remember about it is, um, you know, so he's, he's Jewish in a concentration camp, and he's got his son with him. He's a young son. But he role plays this scenario in front of his son to make it look like they're just having a party. And it's a game, so his son doesn't feel the weight of it. Now, you know, that's not the most perfect example, but that guy chose his reality to affect his son in that moment in spite of being marched off to the death camps or hard labor camps or crematories, you know. That, that, that's just where we are, you know. We're, we're in a world that's dying, but we are full of life. We are seeds of life and light in this earth to make a difference. And I get it. I get it. We feel like, well, what can I do? I mean, only you and God can work out that question. But personally, that's why I like coming to church, because I just keep my mind and my heart focused and full of expectation and hope and focused on Him and remembering who He is and who we are and what we can do and staying on mission and, of course, seeing my friends. You know, I enjoy, I like watching Hayden over there giving me the stare. Oh, there you're smiling. I'm just teasing him over there. So anyway, that, 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 that's kind of, because Tori let me know yesterday that he, that he couldn't make it, and I totally understand, so I'm thinking, all right, I've always got something to say, but I just kind of wanted to lay that out there for a minute. But I do have a few things because, okay, so in the midst of all that, 
we have prayer. How do we pray? You know, and I, and I get this question a lot of people, well, I'm trying to figure out, in light of what I now know about the new covenant, you know, if I'm complete in Christ, if God's given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness, if all His promises are yes and amen, then how do I pray? It's a, and it's a good question, and it's the right question, and, and it should be discussed and worked through, right? It should be. So in terms of prayer, um, I, just, I have like four different points here that I want to look at. So pr- prayer to me, I, I like... So when I think of words or concepts, there's a visual aspect of it for me, and, and there's like the emotional definition of a word is just as important as the informational definition of it. Like a word means this, but, but the word feels this way also. Like what does the word hope mean? Hope is different from optimism. Optimism is just, you know, having a positive outlook. Hope is an actual anchored, confident expectation of things getting better in spite of the lack of evidence because you have a a reason to hope, and that is in the character of God. If God said it, the expectation of it coming to pass is hope in spite of lack of evidence. Jordan laying over there in the hospital. We have hope even in spite of a very you know, difficult situation, we have hope because we know who God is and what God can do and what He paid for, right? So how do you pray? Um, to me, prayer is not... Now, th- I'm just going to share you my thoughts for just a moment, and then we'll look at a couple of passages. But, but what prayer is for me is I, I get this picture that when I'm praying, I'm, I'm trying to paint God's will with my words and with what I'm feeling about whatever I'm praying about. So I'm trying to paint a finished picture of what God's will would be for that situation. So the words that I'm saying are to the end goal of the effect that I believe is possible based on the character of God, based on what Christ paid for, based on what I feel like the Spirit's leading me to do in that moment. Are you with me? So like when I'm praying, I feel like the words that I'm saying should contribute to the end picture of the will of God. Does that make sense? Okay. So, if I, so when I've prayed, I want to have a picture of what it looks like for that to be affected by what God would want and what He's capable of. So if I'm praying for somebody that's sick or diseased or whatever, needs a miracle, in my mind, I'm seeing Jesus. If Jesus, and I've said it, I've said it, you know, if Jesus were to stand, let's say somebody that's completely, none of us have any confidence in all to pray for and see a difference. If Jesus prayed for them, what would happen? You have no doubt at all what would happen, do you? You have the same power. Pray accordingly in spite of the lack of evidence. Pray with hope. Hope knowing the character and the desire of God. You know what the will of God is in terms of disease and sickness. Because over and over, even all the way back to the Israelites, he led them through the desert 
No sickness, no disease. That's the will of God. Can, can that translate to other people? Well, it's who God is, right? Well, I prayed in this and da, 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 da. okay, well, you know, that, that, that's, I get that. But if Jesus prayed for them, what would happen? And his spirit's in you. And he said you would do the same things that he does. So it's got to be anchored in that. You're painting a picture based on what God is capable of and what he would want. Now, this idea of if it be thy will, you ever, don't raise your hand. But Yeah, I don't, wanna, I don't want you telling yourself. But people pray, well, if it be thy will, you know, Lord willing. And, and, and there, there's a place for that, and I'm going to show you where that place is. So, but the, these, these four areas, so to me, I'm, I'm, if I'm praying, and especially, that's why I, I probably pray in tongues more than you realize. We don't make a big display of it up here because we're just not trying to present some image of spirituality. If I feel led to pray in tongues up here, I'm going to pray in tongues up here. But I, you know, I kind of like what Paul said. It's like, don't just pray in tongues in the midst of a congregation without the interpretation because it's, then nobody's going to know what you're saying. And the Spirit of God is here to help you. It's better to speak five words of intelligent you know, communication that makes sense. So anyway, I'm all for all the gifts, and I want them all. I think I, if I told you what I really believe about the gifts, y'all might not come back here. <laughs> because it's a level of impossibility that I think we could be walking in. Every day, all day, in every situation. Amen. All right, come on. Uh, only because if God, Christ himself, were walking around doing the things that we desire to do, what would it look like? And that's actually the situation that we're in. There's a bunch of Jesuses in the earth walking around the reality that we are in. The same was expressed through Christ, and it was. Hey, Jesus, yeah, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I'd like to be healed. My daughter's dead. I got my servant over here. Be it done unto you according to your faith. Next. Oh, you're flopping around in the fire? Go. Healed. What's next? But, yeah, don't be impressed by that stuff. What you should be impressed by is that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that the blood of Christ has washed you clean. That's what you should be impressed with. A donkey can prophesy. I'm not that impressed by that stuff. I got a working title of a book, but there's kids in here. I'm not going to go there. It's too. Donkey. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Prayer. So for yourself, and I would normally have slides, but I, I, don't, I didn't have time for that. But pr for yourself, prayer, you're recognizing your identity and your authority in God's promises. Identity, authority, and promises. That's the context of your prayer for yourself. Identity, authority, and promises. What do you have the right to believe? What do you have the power to bring about in your life? What does God want for you? The promises are the will of God. And who you are in Him determines whether you feel like you deserve it or not. And then the authority is, what do you have the capacity to bring about? Identity, authority, and promises when you're praying for yourself. When you're praying for others, you're looking at Christ's model, and that is standing in authority 
and operating in the power of the Spirit in you. But it's also, we see in um, the model of the apostles' prayers, which I love. You go through, I actually have a blog post on my website um, with all of Paul's prayers, you know, from the New Testament. And it's interesting because when you read through all of Paul's prayers, he always affirms whoever he's, whoever who, who, whoever he's praying for, is that whoever he's praying for, whoever he's praying for, I don't know why that got mixed up, whoever he's praying for, what he's doing is he's affirming their connection with God, and he's affirming the known will of God as evidenced in the atonement of Christ. Okay, so when Paul prays for the people, I pray that their eye, the eyes of their heart be in line. I pray that they know the will of God. I pray that they this. It's always affirming that person's connection with God. And it's always affirming their victory already in Christ. He's already, he, he affirms that, right? And so he's not casting down, binding up, loosening. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic in any of that. I'm just saying, he, he did, when you look at his prayers... He's affirming an already paid for reality, but yet they're not experiencing it. And so what he's praying is that they would see what they have in Christ. That's how Paul prays ultimately, that they would see what they already have. Interesting, right? Go, go, go through that list and uh, I'll, I'll give it your homework. Go read Paul's prayers and see. And, you know, there, there is a place for praying against oppression if we need to cast out spirits and all that kind of stuff. But there's some principles in that. You know that the enemy has no authority at all, no matter what. The enemy has zero authority. I don't care if some guy has a pentagram tattoo on his forehead, sacrificing whatever he's sacrificing, spouting the name of Jesus or Satan, and that does not give the enemy authority to come in and do anything. Now, it certainly invites the enemy to come in and wreak havoc and deceive and all that kind of stuff. It makes you susceptible to that. But only, but, but, but the authority would be as soon as the standard and the authority of Christ is raised, it's got to go because it has no right to be there. Your sin does not give the enemy the right to your life. It makes you stupid. It makes you susceptible to deception. But it does not give the enemy the right. He has no rights at all. Are you with me? So exercise your right in Christ, which is liberty. And for others, you know, Again, you have the same authority that Jesus does when you're praying for others. So here, and I'll post these notes up for the detailed people that like to see the detail, but knowing the enemy has no authority, knowing that he's a thief and a liar, you know, we give a lot, I mean, we're more afraid of what the enemy might accidentally, what we might accidentally do that, the enemy, that gives the enemy power. We, we have more... We have more expectation in what we might accidentally do that might give the enemy the power than we do in the resident authority of God on the inside of us. I mean, it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I do this. I don't know if the enemy... It's like, well, what about God in you? Are you worried about accidentally 
experiencing a promise of God. <laughs> and then for healing, praying for healing, Jesus showed us the way. And, and most, most this is the challenging one. Most times when Jesus performed a healing miracle, he said to the person, be it done unto you according to your faith. When he couldn't heal people in his own hometown, you know, there's two different ways to look at that. One is he wouldn't because they didn't honor him. The other is he couldn't because they couldn't receive his authority to operate in their lives. So you're on one side or the other. Either he wouldn't, in other words, he held back because he felt disrespected, or he couldn't because their hearts weren't at a place to experience the authority that he walked in. I think it's he couldn't because other times he says, be it done unto you according to your faith. In other words, I'm pointing to you a lot today. You're kind of getting the point here. You're in point view here. And so, so faith is not how hard you can believe to get God to do stuff. Faith is not a commodity. Would you, I don't think the air got adjusted. I'm, I'm starting to get warm. I see fans and jackets coming off. And Y'all good? You got to make it comfortable. You hear God better when you're not hot. Did you know that? <laughs> Unless you're by the beach. Um, faith is a response. If you if you if you if you can learn that about faith, faith is a response. It's not an action to get God to move. Faith is a response. Faith is, I'm going to steward my beliefs of my mind and my heart to make sure that I'm conditioned to be receptive to God's leading. Faith is doing the inner work to get distraction-free, to be teachable to Him. Faith is a response to what God has done. I mean, probably the clearest view is we love God because God first loved us. And it's interesting because there's a commandment to love God. Love God with all your heart, strength, mind, and soul. That's a commandment. Love Him. I'm commanding you. It's like He says, I command you to love me. But yet, why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. So it's like God is commanding you to be in the position to let Him love you. I command you to let me love you. Because if you do, then you're going to love him and then keep the commandment. Interesting, right? That's what faith is. Faith, and, and, and until you sort that stuff out, you think faith is, oh, I've got to do something to impress God to get something. I don't have enough faith. I don't know. It's not that you don't have enough faith. It's that your faith is looking at something else and not fully at him. It's persuaded of other options than him. Faith is a response. So then there's this idea of, if it be thy will. What is the will? I, well, you know, we just don't know. And I'll just tell you, Paul did uh, use statements like that a little well, with Jesus. Jesus is about to be arrested. He's giving himself up to be arrested to go to the cross. And he says, uh, Lord, if there's God, if there's a or father, he says, Father, Father, if there's a way, let this cup pass from before me. Three times he prays that. Three times he prays for a different path than to go to the cross. But what does he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So there, there is a 
context of getting our mind and our hearts in alignment with God's will. So if it's something externally that God has called you into or situationally in this world, yet you want to know what God's will is. But if it's you experiencing personally something that Jesus paid, if Jesus paid for it, if it's in the atonement, if he dealt with it on the cross, it's, it's, it is his will already right now. And what did he pay for on the cross? He paid for your salvation. He paid for your peace. He paid for your security in your relationship with him. And salvation is multiple, multifaceted, healing, wholeness, prosperity, soundness, preservation, rescue, deliverance, freedom from messianic judgment. All that stuff, you have the right to believe now, you can just assume that it's God's will for you now. So in other words, if it's paid for in the blood of Jesus, it's always the will of God 100% of the time for everybody in every situation. If Jesus paid for it on the cross, it is his will and there's no timing associated with it. But based on the prayers that you see of Jesus in the apostles, if it's something in this world that has to be responded to or collaborated with with another person, and, and people get upset, but, you know, so things like the right job, the right car to buy, the right diet to eat, the right person to marry, finding someone to marry, what college to go to, what to do and not do with your children, all, all those things that are outside that aren't directly affected by the, the atoning, substitutionary offering of Christ on the cross, those aspects are things that you do want to be led by God and know what, the, know what His will is. In other words, what would you say is the best thing for me in this situation, God? I'd like to know that because that's what I want to do. I'd rather do that than what I'm gonna, about to come up with. Are you with me? So there's two aspects of the will of God. If Jesus paid for it, if it's in the atonement, it's yours now. God wants it for you. But if it's something related to... Now, it is the will of God that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants you blessed. It is God's promise to Abraham that he would have so much offspring that we ultimately as the body of Christ would multiply and be a blessing to the nations of the earth. Of course, God wants you happy. He wants you married. He wants you to have a job that's a blessing to you and that you're... But, but that's not stuff that Jesus paid for on the cross. He paid for the relationship for you to be in where you can be led by Him into fruitful and successful situations. Are you with me? Do you see the difference? So in, in Paul, Jesus prayed, well, I've got a will, but I want to do God's will. And then in James 4, 15, um, this might be the least scripture I've ever used in a message. And I, he's probably asleep back there. James 4, 15, would you put that up? <laughs> he's like, oh. Yeah, so, so James does pray this. Uh, and he goes through this thing about, he says, well, we're just going to go over here and we're going to set up and we're going to live here for years and we're going to make money doing this business. And, and ultimately he comes to, and James is kind of harsh, but he comes down and he says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. So you hear it a lot in terms of, well, if it be thy will, you can't, you can't, just, you can't just determine what you want. You can only pray according to God's will. 
It's like, well, you know God's will if it's written in the blood of Jesus. But in terms of life's situations, yeah, you better pray to find out what His will would be. Now, if you don't do it, that doesn't mean that He's going to cast you away or any of that kind of stuff. It's just that you're just not experiencing the best that He can have for you. Are you with me? So we want to know what the will of God. And what's interesting is when you go through and you look at the times where the apostles and even Jesus seem to pray with the tag of, if it be thy will, if the Lord will, it's always when there's a conflict of what the person wants and what God would lead them into. There's not a conflict in terms of what Jesus paid for on the cross. But if you're desiring some type of situation in this life, there may be a con or confusion or just ignorance. You just don't know, right? So Paul, anytime Paul prayed, if it be thy will or if the Lord will or if the Lord allow, whatever, it was he had the desire to go visit a group of people, but he wasn't sure if that's what God would want him to do when the time came. So he might end up over here. But in terms of I'm going to pray for healing, I'm going to pray for wisdom, I'm going to pray for to experience the character of God personally, I know what that will is because it's who God is. I can always experience the attributes of God's character in my life personally because God is my Father and I know His will. It's expressed clearly in who Christ is. He's told me over and over who He is and who He wants to be and what I have the right to believe for from Him. But in terms of the world out here, yeah, you want to know what God would lead you into. Amen? Amen. So pray with identity and authority in mind, always, knowing what the will of God is. If, if, if the atonement of Christ touches it, you already know what the will of God is. But if it's something in this world out here that you need to get God's mind on it, then make sure that you're living a life that cultivates your heart and mind to be in agreement with His logic and His wisdom. Because if you're living in a way that's, that's foreign or a little bit off from His wisdom or His demand of integrity and character, if you're, if you're living, and let's just face it, we are. We all, we all are. I mean, we're all living a little bit off, right? The reason to live uprightly is so that your heart and mind is in harmony with Him to hear Him and be led by Him and therefore glorify Him. But the two wills of God, not two wills of God, but the two aspects of knowing the will of God. If Jesus touched it, if the cross touched it, who am I in that? What authority do I have? What are the promises here? Or, this is going on out here, I need to know what God... And so there... You need to know the wisdom of God. And if, if it's a situation externally that you're trying to pray through, there's two facets to that. You probably got to deal with your stuff. You can't find the right job. Well, are you somebody that a, an, an employer can depend on? Are you always late? Are you a complainer? Are you, you know what I mean? It's like if the job, well, I just don't know. I just always get these jobs. And da, da, da. Well, you're the common denominator. Well, I keep getting these relationships. And da, 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 da. Okay, okay. We well, want to go there, do we? 
What's going on in your heart where you keep finding the same deadbeat over and over and over? Because you're the one that's attracted to that. Well, I just don't know why God hadn't brought this. Well, what do you need to deal with? <laughs> I can feel that's jumping off into a whole nother <laughs> message, really. But you get what I'm saying, right? If it's something going on in the world and you feel like God's disappointing you, it's you. It ain't God. I'm sorry. I'm okay, going to keep looking over here. She's like, is it, is it me? Amen. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's stand up and pray. And let's stand up and, and remember Tori and remember the surface family. And, and really, whoever else is on your heart, whoever else is in your family or, or people, co-workers or, or whatever it might be, because we are in this conflict, we are in this paradox, we are in this difficult situation of knowing what God's will is and not yet really seeing it. And, when it, and it breaks our hearts that other people aren't experiencing what Jesus paid for for them to experience, you know? So, and it's just such a massive, big, monumental thing. But first and foremost, Father, we worship you. We honor you. We recognize you as God. You're our creator. And you love us. And we thank you for loving us. We want to trust you. We want to trust you wholly without, uh, without reservation. We only want to do things that bring glory and honor to your name. We don't want to dishonor your name with our lifestyle, with our choices and our habits. So, Father, we yield to you. We clear our minds and our hearts before you. We thank you that we are pure and clean before you because of the blood of Christ. And we resubmit our hearts to you. We trust you and we love you. I, I will follow you. I will follow you. I want to know your wisdom and I will apply your wisdom in this earth. Father, we lift up these families that are hurting. We just thank you that your comfort is with them. Thank you that your peace is with them. And, and everybody in this situation that I'm thinking of is a believer. So I thank you that that power is in them bringing life to their physical bodies. I agree with you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to their physical bodies and to their mind and their emotion and their hearts. And for everybody else involved, Father, I just thank you that your spirit is manifesting in comfort for them. You're drawing them into how to trust and believe for you. We, 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 we agree with you, Lord, that you're seeking to bring about blessing into their lives. So we speak life and health over those situations.